accessing library computer data. Hi guys, this is just a quick message to say that we had some technical difficulties whilst recording this episode over Skype. Um, whilst we're recording, Clive's uh, computer unfortunately crashed, so we had to record the rest of the episode at a later time. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Engaged Podcast, our very first one of 2018. Yeah. We hope everyone had a lovely new year. Hello. And uh, Christmas. And Christmas as well. And Christmas. Uh, I'm Jamie as always. I'm Simon. Yes. And with and, us. Yeah. <laughs> and we also just want to Come say... Come on, I'm Jamie. Much. Get back into it. I'm getting back into it, but I keep getting interrupted. Love you, Simon. Really. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, Phil couldn't make it uh, today due to prior commitments, um, but we do have a very special guest with us, Clive from Sun Kind of Trek. Hello, Clive. Afternoon. I'm not sure whether I can live up to that uh, introduction, but we'll have a go. <laughs> <laughs> Afternoon, Jill. Yeah, uh, yeah it's been a uh, happy new year and, and Merry Christmas and belated everything and, you know, happy Ponfar um, <laughs> and <laughs> hope we're all right. Yeah, you, you, that was a great introduction. You're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, and cool. today we're going to be talking about Deep Space Nine. It's the 25th anniversary, and the date that we're actually recording this is the date of the very first episode, Emissary. So, and we'll be talking about um, story arcs. So, specifically, more, I think you said it's inside the Dominion War, wasn't it? Just kind of, it's one of the first shows that really started ongoing story arcs. I thought it was, as we did with the Impact of Next Gen last year. I thought it would be quite nice to pick up on something in Deep Space Nine did particularly well and expand upon it and go, well, they've said about it in Emissary and it went on throughout the show. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this this is, I mean, you know, as you know, Sai, so this is an episode I've been, it's so, my, this is like my dream episode. Cause I love Deep Space Nine. It's my favourite Trek series and particularly with the story arcs as well, even more so. So this episode for me is, Definitely one, probably one of the most I'm going to ever enjoy that we've ever done. So, and it's something you know, Clive's and... wanted to do for about two years. Ah, yeah, yeah, I love, cause... I love, I love DS9. I love DS9. <laughs> because yeah, two I mean, years yeah. ago, he wrote a message to me, I think, to us going, Why don't you guys consider doing a 23rd anniversary for Deep Space Nine? And I think I never got around to doing it. And I thought, and then the end of last year, Clive went, You know what? I'd like to come back on again. Have you got anything and it's like <laughs> hmm, i might have something something that you might like the sound of remembering what happened two years ago it's like does that sound any good he went yeah count me in that's yeah <laughs> and here we are today. That's a pretty good impression of me actually but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i always been very good at impressions Clive. that's why i don't try to do impressions or I have a very good memory for remembering what what happened and kind of who wrote what when and and I just, one of those things that I remember, so the whole reason why I theme episodes these days is because of Clive and that and the inspiration that he gave me. You do that for oh, the quizzes as you. well, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Simon does that for our quizzes as well. We think, you know, when we're doing the episode, we try and theme them if we can as well. Yeah, very good. No, no, good. Good advice. That's great. I've been, it's been five years we've been doing Scots now. Uh, it was five years last month, so it's just, I'm looking back at some of the stuff early on, I'm like, whoa, really? <laughs> it's been that long that I've been doing this. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we've kind of had similar actions when we look back on the podcast, particularly when we do our yearbook. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, we've been doing this for how many years now? It's like, you listen to it, because yeah. we release, obviously, 
some stuff, the stuff from our lost files is like, oh my god, it's just such a difference in terms of like quality and you know like the the recordings and things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a real pod. Yeah. Space Nine. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's what we're for. <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> So there's a lot yeah. of things that were introduced in Emissary that went on to lead on to bigger things in the whole series. So I think one of them, I think, would be the Prophets and the fact that Cisco became the Emissary to Prophets. I think that's quite a yeah. big element to it that I think we, we must talk about. I don't, yeah, I I mean, don't know. When, I mean, when you first, obviously, if you're watching kind of... In, in like you know, you're first watching it you, you don't I mean and you know because I think really the first couple of seasons is not really much with Cisco and being the emissary it kind of gets mentioned here and there but it's not it's not until really later on that it becomes really quite important and crucial um, and you know it just really defines who who he is as a character but it's not just it's not just him it's the fact that it has a big impact I think as a whole I said you know it's at one point, Bajor was going to join the Federation, but due to those visions that he had, it was a warning. He, you know, he stopped it. So I think it's kind of that episode is I said. Simon said there's so much that's set up in Emerson. That's one of the reasons why I actually love it so much because there's so much that is hinted at, and it's not. You know, it's, it's I said it's Cisco's kind of I said about the prophets, and it's you know Odo's origins, and there's just so many things that are set up that are picked up on later on. It really is quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um... I mean, Emissary is one of those, those kind of weird ones. It's There's a lot of stuff in there. And you look at you look at how Next Gen began and ended uh, in regards to the arc on that, with, with you know, the first episode and last episode kind of really really linking quite closely. And yeah. Deep Space Nine, to some some extent, does exactly that with the, the Emissary theme. You say it kind, of, it kind of goes through... The first two seasons, you said, are quite uneven. And there's that, that first season really doesn't have any kind of direction as to where it's really going the emissary pieces have kind of dropped in. The guy is pretty much binned off by about 10 episodes in. Mm. Literally binned off. Um, <laughs> she's, you know, she's gone and we have the kind of, that, that, that arc takes a whole different different slant. But the, the emissary piece is, is something that's really unique to Deep Space Nine and that arc is something that does drive through a whole seven seasons. And I think, for me, it, it reaches that pinnacle with Rapture when Dirty Joe doesn't join the Federation and then it's the, it's the slope back that peak to, to Rapture, where they're building up to this, and they've been building up since the pilot of this whole arc of the Bajor will join the Federation, they get to Rapture, and he goes, <laughs> not going to happen, people. And then, <laughs> ain't happening, off the board, off the board. And then they bins that off, and then we get to, um, and we, then we're on that sort of slide down through season six, and then into seven, we have the Reckoning, we have the, the Par Race piece, which brings in, in, in season five as well. And you get a whole different slant, um, around the kind of time of rapture and everything through um, into that sort of seventh season and then towards the, the final ten with the, the win and, and Decot piece. But yeah, that, that, that emissary piece is so, is so huge, um, particularly, say, later on um, when it comes into play. But it's, it is, it's, for me, it's one of the, it's a really empowering arc. It's a very di- different piece for Trek. It's something that's really not been, not been done in any of the other shows at all. Agreed. And I think as well, really, with the whole kind of emissary thing and the profits, it's kind of, what I love about it is the fact that, you know, the, the prophets, you know, the Federation tries to just think of them as, oh, you know, they're just they're just aliens, they're wormhole aliens. But Cisco yeah. kind of, particularly with some of some of what he encounters, he actually takes a bit of a different stance on it. He goes, well, actually, are they? And I love the fact that it's yeah. like it doesn't say either way. It's like, well, 
does it really matter? You know, and I think what's really great is the fact that, you know, religion religion is, you know, considered really quite important in Deep Space Nine and, and it actually plays yeah. into the whole... I mean, and what was that one you said, Sire, that episode that you really, really like about um, Destiny? Uh, Destiny, I think that's the one, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, the one you always come... bring up, so it's like straight to that one. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah, it's the one where that Bajoran warns about the, the, the Kardashians and about the prophecy, and, and it actually all comes true. Three, vipers. The three, three vipers, and that's it's the three one. meteorites. Yeah. yeah, that's the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I just think, and the fact that, you know, everyone else just kind of says, well, you know, it's just, it's just a prophecy. You shouldn't take it seriously. And, you know, Cisco's himself is like that at first. When it starts coming true, it's like, oh, hang on a second, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not just about, it's not just about science, you know, religion plays a part in this as well. It's, it's important. So I think it's kind of bringing religion and science, you know, kind of together in a, in a certain way, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, once, once DS9, um, realize what direction it was going and it kind of really honed that storyline down and it got yeah. into destiny which i'm personally not not a great fan of destiny but i'll let it slide this time um and i'm, I'm kind of with you on that kind of. uh, it's a bit it's a bit uh, in it really you know yeah. don't it's interesting though yeah anyway go on i like the 37 so don't even go there um it's it's a whole piece. The, the, the season three really kind of defines that, and it gets it a lot more kind of drawn down into the, into the kind of the, you know, the individuality of that of the kind of religion piece. But it was if you read the background, they really kind of that arc actually took more of a backstage during the sort of middle sort of four seasons of DS Nine because they wanted to focus more on the, on the Dominion War and the action side of it. But if you look at it, you actually have two quite parallel stories. You have the kind of the peaceful kind of narrative piece, which is a lot more talking, a lot more theoretical, with. The, the, the religious piece and then you have the parallel of that with the Dominion War which is a lot more action kind of really heavy character driven it's very very good how you kind of balance those two and actually how all the characters play at some point a part in, in really well the main characters play a part in both of those stories at some point hmm. well it's also because the fact that those two stories do intersect I mean one good example would be when um, the, the Dominion lose at Deep Space Nine in season six the prophets yes. get rid of all the Jem'Hadar coming through the wormhole yeah. so you know wonderful stroke of luck in a way I suppose but at the same time it's kind of they do it does a little bit but yeah they are quite as you say parallel stories and so I'm just gonna... in, the, in that we see of them they reappear in I know it's not canon but it's soft canon they reappear in uh, Star Trek Online so yeah. they kind of yeah. go we'll keep them for a few hundred years then we'll throw them back and good luck with them <laughs> we'll just you know yeah. great thanks for that it's, yeah because <laughs> when the because when the wormhole um, oh, now then, because Cisco loses connection with him at some point as well, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, which is again the end of season end of six. Yes, because yeah. that's why that's where we end up with the, the brilliant end of season six where he's sat peeling potatoes um, outside the restaurant, and that, that it's really and again with the arcs they really took the characters in completely unique situations. I'm, I'm kind of at a strange point with, with DS9 at the moment because I'm rewatching Babylon Five um, from the <laughs> beginning, so I, it's really interesting to see how. Well, you know what? I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a I've never research, seen I'm, I'm five, so I can't honestly comment. So, but it's, <laughs> it's really interesting to see how defined that was as a, as a four slash five year story. Then you look at Deep Space Nine, and you look at how there were things, as we said, you know, emissary is such a, a fundamentally important piece of, of Deep Space Nine. Whether you like it or whether you don't, as a pilot, I think it's probably the best pilot that Trek's ever produced mm. um, because it's it's it does everything the Trek should do, which is you should be. It's very sort of. 
mystical. It's quite it's quite mythological in its in its scope. Uh, it has the action in there. It has so it has the scientific piece. It has everything in there. There's a lot of characters that define, but but it it, it shows a lot of evolution. There's a lot that evolves from that show from that yeah. pilot. Um, not to the point of like next gen evolution where it actually changed the show completely in two years. With with DS9, there is even though they didn't really know where they were going, there's that that path that everybody kind of goes down, and there is a defined ending. Although yeah. that probably wasn't defined until about season three, we get there at some point. Mm. Yeah, and I think as well, it's kind of even with something like the Dominion War, which came in at the end of two, they were already that was already being set up because they've been referenced a few times previously throughout. I think yeah, the early season two. Yeah, that's it. That was yeah, the first time the first, is the first reference. Yeah, and then yeah. I think they referenced again in Shadow Play as well, and probably a couple and of Sanctuary, and Sanctuary as well. As well yeah. 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 So sorry, I think I'm just I... <laughs> go for it. Show off the DS9 knowledge. That's fine. <laughs> but I think I think that's it's... what's really. Uh, sorry, I'm just giggling to myself. Just kind of the buzzwords that I create for some of these episodes, just, and I just sit there going. Just, just... <laughs> <laughs> what's that? You just carry on going. Just do some research. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm sat in the library about two feet away. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll just make sure that I can just grab a couple of books while I'm at it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, you're right. It's, it's there's, there's so the season two is the, is the defining year, and, and but is it? But for me, is the you talk about story arcs, and we talk about the religious side of it, and we talk about the, the Dominion people. But is it down to particular people behind the scenes that we should really be sort of thinking about with these arcs that we're talking about Dominion? We talk about is it? You know, it's got to be down to people like Eris Stephen Bear. Logic. Um, I mean. That, that's you know i mean ds9 you know for me it was the kind of you know because when i first watched it i was really surprised at how in-depth it was because you know some, the secondary characters as well like ones like ducat ones like uh Vedic or kai win they get so much depth and yeah. it's it's really quite amazing i mean and you know for me i mean part of the reason i think ds9 is my favorite because it's a darker more gritty trek and it's kind of like you know the federation you know then i mean i'm not saying the next day they were perfect you know i think they are there are there are moments where it, it does get dark sometimes but i think in yeah. particular ds9 really took root in that um and you know i think an overall big story arc was the, the direction to go for track because i think next gen next gen you know it was quite episodic but there were there were instances where they were trying to do some like they did do like smaller story arcs um but as you yeah. said i think um you said next, yeah, uh, DS9 took that to a whole new level. Um, and I think that's where, I mean, not to, go, not to go too much into it, but I think that's where kind of Voyager went a bit, I think Voyager and part of Enterprise went a bit wrong. They went back to that episodic kind of structure too much. Um, which, which, you know, it's nothing wrong. This, you said there's a lot of advantages to episodic television, but kind of once you kind of introduce something like a big story, I, keep, I know not everyone's going to want to go back to that kind of what was before. I mean, I know Discovery have, have, have done it now. Discovery have gone for this massive story arc, which is going to be yeah. each season's a story, which is great. So it's a different thing to what DS9 did. But if you yeah. think about, from my perspective, I would disagree when you come to saying that Voyager kind of went back to episodic. And it, I think it had to because it, you couldn't really story arc a journey. The journey is the story arc. And you'll have events during it. So you have your kind of two years with the Kazon, you have your two or three years with the Borg, and, and you go along that kind of line. So the, you know, you are constantly moving and things will change during that. With DS9, the stationary setting is what drives that. It has mm. to drive it as a, as, a, as, a, as a continuous story. 
because I think with that, with the Enterprise, you know, I always, I would always look to see a series, and this is a random thought, I'd look to see a series about the ship that goes in after the Enterprise has done all its bloody missions and goes <laughs> and clears up all the rubbish that they've, that they've left behind. That would be quite <laughs> there's, a series of, there's, a, there's a series of, there's a series of, it's just like, it's just like a little white cargo ship or something, just crewed by like the regular guys. And they go in after the Enterprise is like done all, doing all the amazing stuff, and they have to go and clean up all the mess and deal with the aftermath. I think it would be an amazing series. But anyway, um, if you're listening, I assume Bear, just give me a shout. We'll we'll work it out. Um, but the the arcs with the arc with DS9 um, because of where it was, you know, you've got a wormhole, you've got like continuous traffic. There has to be kind of something stationary on the other side. There's got to be a civilization that's that's just there. You've got Beja. You have to work with what you've got. You have to kind of develop it. And you're saying about the, the profit arc, you, the, the the emissary arc doesn't just involve the emissary piece. It's the it's the whole Kai and the religious arc of Beja as well. So you've got the the, the yeah, Kai I mean, arc that goes on from yeah. Opaka to Win. And that and that's and that as well. That whole thing I said, the profits is what is the very foundation of Bajoran society. It's what defines yeah. them. I mean, it's what helped them during the, during the occupation. You know, for fifty years, that was part of what got put a lot of Bajorans through it. So it, it said it, it it dips into a lot of things. It's you know it's very very and you know and and it's someone like to cut. I mean he tries to use that for his own ends. Oh you know, um you know I said the whole thing with the par race and all that sort of thing. It's you know it, yeah. it, I think it's great because I think it I think what DS9 does so well with that whole religious aspect is it shows both sides of it. It shows how religion can be a great comfort and hope to people, but how people can also use it and twist it for their own ends as well. Yes. So I think I think yes, so. DS9 shows a really good balance in showing both sides of it. Yeah. Which I think no, is I, really, really important. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the um the way that DS9 takes it and then it's any that, that storyline for me was I wasn't the first couple of times I saw the whole kind of Bajor arc, if we'll call it that. We'll call the amateur out of Bajor arc. Yeah. I didn't really get it that well. I was like, oh god, it's another religious episode. But you watch it back and there's so much in it you can get from mm. it. Especially I watched it again just now a couple of years ago at the full yeah. whack as I was doing the full run through. Um and it but it, it, it draws into so many other areas as well. And you say it draws mm. obviously into the biggest piece which is the the, the Dominion art which you get in later in the year. But you know you, you think about that and how many other smaller arcs there are within even character arcs, um more you know mirror universe arcs, things like that. But but yeah we can go on about those but the big ones has gotta be you know the other one that I think you have to kind of touch on is the, the, the obviously massive one <laughs> that took like five years of the story which um, yeah. is the Dominion arc mm. you know and I think um, as well I think it's a case of you know with the Bajorans because I was like you I was I was exactly the same as you Clive I was kind of oh another Bajoran mm. episode oh great another one but again re-watching it said it, it just adds when you think about it it's just so much depth in it it just really adds a lot of rich um, kind of in-depthness to, to the characters and to the worlds that we're watching. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think also another really good, another really good whole kind of story art kind of thing was the Ferengi, particularly, you know, Quark, Rum and Nog. I mean, I think um, obviously Next Gen set up the Ferengi and they did kind of make them kind of the comedy characters that we would know them as I said, but DS9 just went into much more depth about the Ferengi society and all that sort of thing. And, you know, equal rights for Ferengi with females and all that sort of stuff so you know even 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 you know something like the Ferengi episodes which a lot of the time they were you know a lot of it was just you know, comedy but even then, there's a, there's a, there's a depth in this to those episodes okay what have I said or not said no 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 I, no 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 I, 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 I would all I, oh no no I couldn't possibly um all I'm thinking 
<laughs> if you mention profit and lace here, there's going to be war. Um, but I, I have an issue with Trek comedy episodes. And, and, and the Ferengi arc, I absolutely agree. Ferengi arc is brilliant, I think. The characters that you said there, the, the, the map, you know, the Rom, the Quark, the, the Nog piece. And you look at it, how they started Rom and Nog in, in Emissary. Yeah. Here we go back to Emissary again. Perfect time, perfect day to talk about it. And how they were just virtually background characters. I mean, they, they had nothing. You never thought they were going to see them again. It was just like a, a couple of scenes and that was it. Ron wasn't even, I think, a full character. He was just in the background. Nog stole something from the uh, from the infirmary. Yeah. And, and that's how we kind of meet Odo. Um, there are some <sighs> okay Ferengi episodes. I like Little Green Man. I like Little Green Man. I think it's a great episode. Profit. There's, there's a few. The Quark Love Story, which is season two, which is, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, uh, there's a season two episode, which is, uh, is that the rules of acquisition? Okay. No, 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 it's late in the rules of acquisition. It's towards the end. It's uh, when Quark and meets... Oh, um, Natima Lang, yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yes. Can't remember the name off the top of my head, and I'm, I'm embarrassed because I don't know it. Um, but it's that one. That is... Uh, I, I'm not a great fan of that kind of stuff. Um, the, the, the best for me in the kind of... Profit and loss? Uh, uh, my profit and loss. I think... Yeah. No, that's the... No, profit and no, it's rivals. Yeah, it's profit and loss because it rivals the one with the casino. Yes, you're right. Profit and loss. Um, thank the, you, Shrek uh, the, the Fringy. Thank you, Shrek Court. Thank you for hosting my articles recently as well. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bit of advertising for free. Um, the the, uh, the Fringy arc's great because you have the, the whole Nagus piece as well. So that kind of arcs through the, the whole thing. Um, but the, the I just felt that the comedy aspect of them, which they were hyped up a bit in next gen. And they, did they, did they play it a bit too much in DS9? Possibly. I'm not a great fan of Frankie comedy. I'm not a great fan of comedy in, tra- in Trek overall, to be honest. I think there's about three or four episodes that are really good at it. And I think the rest of them really don't well, work. But, I think it's safe to say there's definitely one episode we definitely would agree we both dislike. That that's the Ferengi, which I won't even mention. There's late season seven. Nothing else do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. end of six, isn't it? I think it's end of six. But, end but of for six, me, six, mag- yeah, bigger problem, yeah. Magnificent Ferengi. That is an episode as part of that whole kind of the whole Quark family uh, um, arc, which also brings in Empire Nor into it and brings in the Dominion into it. That is a that is that is a great episode oh, that yeah. brings in all the elements of a, a whole load of different arcs. You have the Dominion arc. You have the kind of you have the it's kind of the the Bajoran side with Empire. No, you have the Ferengi side. It all comes together in that in that one episode, um, in one that you wouldn't really expect it to, and, and it works. But for me, that is that is the only comedy episode of DS9 around the Ferengi that that works. But it's it's odd because it actually uses a lot of arc elements mm. to make it work. Yeah, and but I think that's what's really good is the fact they bring all those elements together. I mean, even smaller arcs, like for example, things like um, within like for example, uh, uh, Kira's Kira, for example. Seeing her Kardashians, she didn't like yeah. them at first. She hated them. And then, of course, you get the whole episode with Duet, and then you get, um, I can never remember his name, when, she, when she's... Second skin. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And she sees that guy, you know, as like her second father. And it was just how, how her opinion changes of the Kardashians over the seasons. Even something like that, it's just done so well. Even by yeah. the finale, where she becomes a resistance fighter for the Kardashians on Kardashians. Like, how ironic can you get from point A, where it's subtle Kardashians, I will fight against them forever. To I'm going to fight for them. Okay. In fact, she 
she even says that. I think she even says that during that arc. It's she's sitting there with Odo, I think, in the cellar in, in Demar's house, saying, "Isn't this kind of ironic that, that I'm now fighting for the, for the the one person, you know, one people I never thought I would ever actually side with because of what they did and what I remember." But yeah, I mean, you're right. Duet is duet is a great starting starting point for Kira's arc. And actually, I don't maybe so. So even um, before that is is the start of Kira's Bajoran arc, which is progress. Or yeah. even even if you push, yeah, if you push even further back man, man alone but I think progress is really that kind of started the Bajoran arc for Kira and then pushes through Duet which is just is a classic is, is oh yeah I mean I, I mean I, I said I rewatched through um, DS9 I think it was uh, I think it was last year I think I watched through DS9 again and that I said that episode I mean Simon knows that one that one always stands out to me it's just and I think Harry Union does does, um, does the Kardashian uh, Maritz I think he, he gives an absolutely fantastic performance and I, you know, and and that's kind of when it's revealed he really is Maritz. I, I, I just felt so. I just felt, and he's crying and he's saying, "Oh, you know, I could hear the screams." I just felt so sorry for him, you know. And it was just that kind of, and, it, and that's you know, and it, and it makes you, you know, it's like not all Kardashians are the same. Some of them, you know, they, you know, they felt bad about what Kardashian did. And they were ashamed, and he said he tried to fix it, didn't they? Yeah, you know, and very, again, that, that that takes you through in that arc as well. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's quite a massive piece because I mean that comes off into you think about how much sparks off even from that into things like uh, necessary evil and um, uh, you, you, the whole kind of past of Bajora arc that comes that, flipping out we keep bringing arcs into this keep bringing pieces more yeah more. that's what I mean um, it's, it's, yeah. it's a big, big web isn't it <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um, and it's yeah the the, the Cardassian I wouldn't say, is there a Cardassian arc? I suppose there is to an extent. I guess like, there is a Cardassian arc because you know they, they rise. There's the rise and fall of the Empire, which is is during DS9. You know, yeah, they I rise mean, up which and, you can and, see with um, Descartes. I think he's uh, he's probably the benchmark yeah. for where they are in that period of time. I suppose. Oh, Descartes! Yeah. Descartes! Descartes' uh, whole kind of characterisation is absolutely incredibly well done. I mean, just from where he started to kind of where he ends up, it's it's amazing. It really is just, it just said one of the most interesting, complex characters I think uh, in Deep Space Nine, definitely. I I would I would go as far as say one of the most complex and character and characters of Trek as a whole, mm, um, yeah. because I'm, because I'm of the, the depth that. because of the depth that we get from him and the the art. You're saying we you know we're talking about kind of story arcs here, but Descartes is such a has such a journey through, even even for and he's a, he's effectively a guest ca- guest character. But you think of the journey that he goes on from military commander through to kind of working with the Federation through things like uh, Defiant when they're trying to be stopped on Riker, and through to the end of season three where you've got improbable cause and dies cast and they live, the fleets get destroyed, through to um, season four when he kind of becomes this kind of freedom fighter for the for the Cardassians almost against the Klingons, and then it's back into this. Then he kind of decides with the Dominion, and and you look at that, that and he becomes you know prefect again, effectively of, of Bajor and, and commander of DS Nine again, and then through to the whole Bajoran religion. Arc at the end, it's such a huge. I mean, he has probably got the most varied journey mm. of any character in Trek ever, and that is a, that is a huge arc. But you don't even think, know where yeah. that's going to go. And I think one of the best, I think one of the the best things I ever did with that was actually throwing him and Win together. I thought that was fantastic because obviously before Seven, they'd never met. Well, they, they were probably obviously aware of each other. They would have been, but yeah. they never actually met directly until mm. that time. And I think throwing them together was 
brilliant, you know, particularly particularly with Winner, her whole conquest for power. That was her weakness, power. She wanted power. And when, you know, Poirot offered it, that was it. She was going to snatch it up and it turned her. Yeah. So yeah. I think that whole thing was, again, masterfully done. I said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm in awe of Deep Space Nine and Iris Stephen Burr and all the writers, I'll tell you. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, there's just the, the amount of work that I think when you look at the first two seasons, you can have to take, not not as a pinch of salt, but you can have to kind of go with the first two seasons. You can see they're kind of working out where things are going. They hadn't really got a big plan. And yeah. that's where Discovery that's where Discovery certainly differs in that they have this big, there is a bigger plan to Discovery, whereas they know what everything it's going to be from episode one all the way through. With Deep Space Nine, it's kind of like we're going to do next gen on a Starbase. That's season one. Season two is, oh, we can do next gen on a Starbase, but we can kind of start to bring other things in. Hmm. And then you get to season three. Um, five. And, and, yeah, and, and the, the the key moment of, for me of the evolution of Deep Space Nine to, and, and that, that says we are now, we are walking away, we are going to do our own thing from now on is the destruction of the Odyssey in the Jemadar. Yeah. That is... The moment when they went, these guys can destroy a galaxy-class starship just by ramming it, and you know what? They don't care. Yeah. And that's that's for me is, is how Deep Space Nine redefined itself in that in that literally those two minutes when we are now going on this journey. Mm. And that's how season three kicks off with a journey to find the Panthers, and, and and then it, it progresses from there. If you see those early seasons, you know, if you think about season three and how different the beginning of season three is when we talk about story arcs. Season mm. three, the beginning of it, you've got. Um, the search uh, into House of Quark, which is um, a story of about the Klingons, brings them back into the Ark. Then you've got, and then that obviously goes off into different tangents. You've got Equilibrium, which brings all the Trill elements in. That brings it all that kind of side of it, and all the the, the Dax piece. Um, and then you go into um, your Defiance and things like that. And, and and you think of how season three evolves. Visionary, for example, back into it, which is the the Romulans side, which obviously comes to fruition a lot later on when we get into season six. But there's so much stuff at the beginning of season three, they're packing episodes full of full of little gems that if you watch it back, you go, I get it now. Mm. They really did have an idea of where they were going. Yeah. going. Mm. Roughly, they were prodding it and kind of going, they'll have a go. But it's, it's, I think when we talk about story arcs with DS9, though, we have to be kind of aware that they didn't have that overall plan that that, that Straczynski had with, with Bad Five. He knew where he was starting. And ended. they kind yeah. of went into Deep Space Nine going, we've got a show and we're going to have to build it as we go. And that's that's where season three is respectively the, the, the beginning of that 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 dominion arc. I think you're right. The defiant mm. is another is another defining defining moment um, mm. of the show. Um, and when when I spoke to I spoke to Howard last year, who's a visual effects guy, yeah, who created the phaser effect <laughs> for the defiant. And it's when the defiant opens fire. It's another one of those. And it's, you think of all the moments that between the search and Jemadar that, that really kind of define the, the the tone of the show. Mm. and how dark it becomes yeah. and he was talking about how he had to come with this phaser effect in like 20 minutes and that was the phaser effect and for me that I saw that on VHS VHS <laughs> and you look back and <laughs> oh, God rest your VHS um, uh, fast forward to watch the sec- fast forward to watch the second episode on the tape because it was always an arc episode um, and you look at how that that moment and the darkness of the Defiant and the, the cloaking device and everything really shifts the tone and, and then fires it off into this into the rest of the season in the arc, and how suddenly you've got a warship in there which hadn't been done in Trek before, and it really, really powers an arc which is which is quite dark at times. I mean, very dark at times. Oh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, it's it's a completely different show from from the search. Really, yeah, a completely I, different yeah. 
and I think really, I think what's quite what's quite good you mentioned about particularly the Dominion art does get very dark. That's why I was really quite grateful for just a couple of episodes they inserted in it, like really fluffy ones, ones like Don't Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite or the Vic Fontaine one, like um, Bit of Bada Bim, Bada Bang. Yeah, those episodes yeah. might not have been like anything really in depth, but they were needed. I think they were really yeah. quite important at a time when the Dominion War was, it said, you know, it said brilliant art, but it's quite heavy going. And sometimes you just, I think, you know, you wanted a bit of a change of pace just for one week, you know, when they were releasing just one episode, just, yeah, saying that. That doesn't reference it, just like nice and light that you can just kind of, you know, just enjoy. Just enjoy, don't have yeah. to think about it, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a lot when you get into sort of season three and onwards where you can kind of say, yeah, it's, there are light fluff ones that you can kind of pick. I mean, I can, you can think of Arman Bashir, for example, you can pull that out and watch that kind of quite lightly. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I, I, I think I'd not struggle, but I think I'd find it difficult to find the sort of. Um, the lighter fluffy ones, if I'm picking them out in the arc, I would pick arc episodes over those sort of lighter ones, mm. I think. Um, because I think the arc, the arcs, jeez, I mean, it's just, it just has everything, it has everything there, but then even the, even the light fluffy ones are something that, that kind of pulls in from from the bigger from the bigger picture. So you can yeah, never I mean, get away from it. Exactly. I mean, even even ones, even like Vic, Vic, Vic's Fontaine's arc, I mean, for example, he starts off in... Um, uh, his way, and he helps yeah. Kira and Nola get together. So and that was like what had happened for seasons, and even in season seven, he helps Nog out, which is a really big defining moment for Nog, losing his losing yeah. his leg in the battle of CJ AR five five eight, and that leads on to it's only a paper moon, and Vic is you know is in, is you know crucial to Nog's recovery. So yeah. you know, and I think what's brilliant at that point is particularly you know you've got two two secondary characters who actually carry the whole episode. And the fact that they do, and the main characters, only some of them make an appearance, I think is really impressive. They've actually come to a point in, in the series where they're competent enough that actually secondary characters can actually carry a whole episode. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's a good point you're talking about the secondary cast there, because the secondary cast are as important for me as the primary cast are with, with the arcs. Your Garax, your Descartes, your Martox, uh, your Leeters, your Rom, uh, Brunt. You, you think of the secondary cast right. of Space Nine as I mean, Mourn, yeah, absolutely. But you're right, you're right. You know what? I mean, we kind of go. Born, yeah. But you look at the guest cast and you compare that to any other Trek series, and it's just second to none. Yeah. It is. There is no. There is no other guest cast which even comes close because the quality of cast that they got, they brought them back because they were that good. I mean, you know, Jeffrey Coombs even played two characters because he was that good. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think they even actually been in an episode. Don't they? I think they actually. There was one episode. episode. There was one. There was one yeah. episode where they're in the same episode. Yeah, I think it's Extreme yeah. Measures, uh, yeah. which is in season seven. Um, but you know, it's 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 amazing that they 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 could bring that kind of quality in and maintain it, even as guys who weren't in every episode. But you look forward to it when they're in it because you know it's going to be good. Even the poor, even the average episodes are really good because the quality of the cast and the quality of the writing really engages you with every story that that Deep Space produced. And that that's why for me yeah. it's it's easily the best track series. And and yeah. because they could continue and they developed it as well. And I think another, and again, another one has just actually come to mind, another really, really um, impressive aspect that they did of writing was uh, Esri's arc. One season they got with her, that's all they got with her. And they did yeah. such an impressive job of bringing her out and actually giving her a good bit of depth for only a character who's only here for one season. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, you're right. I, think, I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Under, I mean, 
you think of that. I mean, obviously, Dax wanted to, you know, say if I wanted to leave, and you bring Ezri in, and you've seen one season, but you still managed to create such a, a memorable character mm. just in twenty six episodes is yeah, really and impressive. Yeah. And to come in, yeah, and I think actually putting her, her, her and Bashir together was was a good idea. Mm. Actually, was it's one of the few year seven um, season seven romances that actually works more than oh pretty much every other one that we we know about. Yeah. yeah, and it's good because it reflects the pilot again. It all reflects back to the pilot because <laughs> the arc there for Bashir is that he he wanted her from from emissary. He wanted to be dating her from the first episode when he got off the yeah. shuttlecraft when he got off the the the, uh, the, the, the ship that brought the cock I think it was. Yeah. Um, that brought him to the Express Nine in, in Emissary. He wanted. They got off that shuttlecraft, and then that ship. And there's that whole kind of conversation where he's like, "Oh, should we meet up for later for a drink?" And 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 then you see seven years later, he finally gets it. But it's not actually the person. If you think about it, it's he, still Dax, but it's not. Yeah, Jantia, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a cracking yeah. little arc. It's cracking. Mm. But then you've got all the trill, arc, trill stuff through it. You've got your invasive procedures. You've got your equilibrium through there. You've got um, your um, uh, season four. Before Broken Link, uh, it's the one where Odo, it's one where she puts all the personalities. Uh, I'll remember it. Facets. Season three. It's the penultimate episode of season three. It's before the anniversary, sorry. Uh, Yeah, facets, things like that, which all bring in all that trill arc. And then suddenly you have an entire race arc there. You think, you know, every racing has has an actual arc in it. And you think of a next gen and Voyager with a Kazon, yeah, they managed two years of an arc. (laughs) But next gen. There was never really a race. Each, each race nearly had, really didn't have an arc apart from maybe the bottom. Mm. And maybe the Klingons, and the Klingons definitely with the Civil Wars aspect. But with, with Deep Space Nine, every race, there is a thread that runs through every single yeah. every single race. Klingons, yeah. the Romulans, the, everybody has a, a story which, which has a starting point and end point. Mm. Yeah, and I think as well, what's another great thing about the whole uh, Dominion, I'm going back to the Dominion, I said the biggest one is the fact that Odo's origins tied into that because when I first was yeah. watching, I didn't have a clue. I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, it, again, and it's yeah. kind of a big shock from nowhere. But it's spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. Well, we kind of won't be doing that anyway. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've wrecked it. If you don't watched it before, we've, we've I wouldn't listen to this anymore because we've completely wrecked it for you. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, the, the Dominion lose by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> just to point that out. Yeah, you're right. It's it's everything has an arc. The Romulan arc is is, is great. The Romulan arc is is the Klingon arc almost mirrored from Next Gen, where they kind of their enemies. You know, their enemies obviously before Next Gen starts, and by the end of it, they're kind of all really nice and happy. The Romulans is not quite as as pleasant, shall we say, an ending as that. But no. there is that whole that whole Romulan arc that takes us through into into Pale Moonlight um, and through into into Armour Seventh. Legays in season seven. Uh, it's it's beautiful, beautifully written, beautifully written. Yeah, I mean, oh, one of the things that I love is it's a like, you know some will notice it's it, it's, it's a little it's, it doesn't even amount to anything, but it's just I think it shows that you know kind of how 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 other species kind of perceive Romulans and kind of think oh my, this is like I think it's um that woman that uh, uh, Kira has to work with in season seven the whole hospital thing. And she sees a rom- she sees that Roman woman with a jumja stick, and Kira just smiles. It's just this whole notion of seeing a Romulan eating a jumja stick. It's just it's yeah. just yeah. it seems so bizarre, but it's kind of but it, it all hearts back to kind of you know our, our perceived notions of what we think of a, of a different species or someone yeah. like the Romulans. But you know, but you know that's until you actually kind of know that individual. I said it's just a, it's just a stereotype. 
it's kind of you know what yeah. we perceive yeah. them to be, and they're actually turned out to be not quite like that. So, yeah, I mean, a next gen attempted something like that with, with unification uh, in the background with the with the kind of religiony side that they brought into that's that. That's probably but, a better example actually than than Roman holding a chum to stick. But yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's everything, everything has its arc. Everything has its place with the space nine there is everything you can you can kind of not not catalog you know, cat- like everything but everything has kind of a, a place within that story at some point everything is kind of touched on from the, the universe that next gen really created mm. and then drove through and then voyager kind of cherry picks bits out of it and and, and enterprise kind of just leaves it and goes into its own thing and so it's it, but it, i don't know it's you, you look at i mean deep space nine even didn't even you know it, it carried its arc so well that it didn't have to do a cliffhanger no at the end of at the end of every season so the end of season two isn't a cliffhanger, but it is. Season three isn't a cliffhanger, but it is. And you think of all the ways we go through there, but there are there are touch points with the story arc for me. There are some really key touch points, and, and if we look at the series as a whole, you kind of go up. It's not necessarily the, the finales that are the touch points, but there are some great moments with it. I think we've mentioned a few already, like your Rapture. Absolutely a great, a great kind of touch point moment because it it ties in all of the. Religious pieces, um, Pale Moonlight, because of the, the Dominion element and, and Cisco and, and that kind of side of it. But you, I mean, I'm sure you can kind of come up with ones as well where you kind of go, yeah, actually, you know what, a really key moment, but not necessarily where you might expect it, but it, dra- it pulls all that arc all the way through and ties it together and, and then sparks something else off into another direction. Yeah, and, and what I also like about Deep Space Nine is it kind of breaks, it kind of breaks the whole kind of. normal conventions that we're used to in Star Trek so for example this idea kind of you think oh Cisco's son Jake oh yeah he's going to join he's going to join Starfleet well actually no let's make let's make him a writer because there is you know Starfleet's big and all but there are other careers that are available and it's kind of whereas before I think it was always kind of oh no join Starfleet join Starfleet join Starfleet it's kind of well actually we can do something different and like the whole Nog's whole was brilliant a Ferengi joining Starfleet yeah. people just thought what really and it's like well actually in the season well, well by season it was like you were saying you know so it's kind of this whole kind of all these kind of norms that we, we, we think of and all these kind of ideas we think oh that, that won't work or that would never happen and it, and it does you know they can actually go against those kind of established norms I suppose really yeah yeah maybe Rian Johnson maybe Rian Johnson should have watched Deep Space Nine to understand how you can change the story arc before he did last Jedi. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> oh my no, god, to that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. That's all right. But uh, yeah, all complaints uh, can be addressed to the Engage podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You know, it, it, it changes. It changes everything. It, every everything about it is now is different to every other Trek series because of the way the arc works. The way the way it has these kind of cornerstone moments throughout it that are great reference points that you can kind of go, oh, you know what, I remember that actually everything sparks off from this point. You know, Bashir becoming a, Bashir being revealed as a changeling, for example. Cisco's speech at the end of uh, Call to Arms reflects his entire position from the first five years of the show. Mm. I love that speech. That is, that is for me, is one of the, one of the, the key moments of the entire programme. And the fact that they lose the station. I mean, that yeah. is huge. Yeah, you know, I they, mean, they yeah, lose no, it. yeah, I mean, another thing, I mean, brilliant, you touched upon the fact that they lose the station. I'm, I always thought, when I first was, I thought, oh, they'll get it back in next episode. Uh, actually, no, it takes, what, about six episodes? Yeah, so, so what we'll do is like, we'll do a mini arc, we'll do an arc within the arc to yeah. get the station back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but again, that was, that was completely surprising to me. I was like, oh, okay, right. 
what we're gonna we're gonna beat what the Dominion's gonna have to station them for a while. Okay, that's fine. I can roll with that. Yeah, but it, it makes for brilliant television. Absolutely. You know, the, fact that, the fact that Dominion, I said at the start, they're winning this one. That is a scary thought. And the fact I said that yeah. literally the entire fate of the Alpha Quadrant rested on quite shoulders. Like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, there's moments. Yeah, you know, Zial being killed by um, by Demar. Uh, there's there's loads of stuff in there that are just so. Whoa! Hang on a minute. Didn't see that coming. I did not see that that piece coming. And then you know, just to finish it off with a ten part arc because you you can. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> you know, is is it's just silly stuff. But it all it all works. Just some, we we can talk for hours. I know yeah. somebody hasn't had really much of a chance to get a word in because you and I. Have oh, been sorry. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on it, Si? Yeah, hi. <laughs> oh, no, you could have just like, replaced me to put, like, dummy here, and it's like, I'll oh, be back later, just leave me to it. Just, the computer's doing its thing, I'll just... He's been to the pub for an hour, and we just kept... Let me know when you finish, it's like... You didn't even realise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, what like, do you think, Steve? Is it all right? Like <laughs> Over to you, Si. It's like anything I'm going to say, it gets covered, so I'm just, I'm just sitting there, just enjoying you two, just kind of geeking out and, and loving talking, loving what you're talking about. So it's a bit like me talking about Next Gen and stuff like that. And I, 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 I like Deep Space Nine. It's just I, it's just not my trick. I've always said it, but it's I enjoy it. I, I'll watch it. I'll probably rewatch it sometime soon. But yeah, it's just something that... <laughs> <laughs> So I've I mean, got a runabout lined up in a minute, and then we'll get the we'll get the finance come past. I mean, I've got, I mean, I've got thing, little... you know, I said, you've got to give, you've got to give. Sorry, I grew up. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you've, I said, I think you know, Deep Space Nine, where it was, I think Next Gen, you know, deserves some of that credit for making Deep Space Nine what it was, because Next Gen did set up the market. It, it, it set did, up for a but Deep Space Nine became its own thing, and that was a very yeah. big thing to try and do, because it was one thing to try and get Lightning in Bottle once, but to try it again at roughly the same time, and go, hey, we've got another one, it's on a space station, you're going to love think, it, and everyone again, went, yeah, I think yeah whatever. Although, I do find it ironic what you guys touched on earlier, the fact they went to a station and went, actually, this isn't going to work, we need a ship. Right, okay, right, and then they spend the next sort Three, four seasons in the Defiant. Like, I know they do go to the station, but it's like we're having a bit more fun with the Defiant these days than we ever did with the station. Is that okay? To some extent, I'd agree with yeah. you. I think I think the Defiant is they they rein it in. I think they kind of use it quite early season three quite a bit because it's the Defiant and they're going, hey, we've got this new ship and we can play with it. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, totally. Um, and and they do they do rein it in. A bit but it is it is a reflection of the tone of the show and the way in which that arc is 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 developed in the fact that they have this this warship and it just you know it it is almost an emblem of the whole kind of symbol of the of what is coming i just need uh, one of you just to to kind of shout hulk smash just kind of every time like warship 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 yeah, totally. There's a war. There's a war. There's a war. Warship. But I think, I think in a way, yeah. that's what I think that's why I've kind of taken well, to Discovery quite a bit as well because it's, 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 it's a very DS Nine esque about it. It's very dark. It's very gritty. 
Yeah. <laughs> I like Discovery. I like Discovery. And I, I, I openly admit I like Discovery. I, we're nine episodes into that. It's very difficult at the moment for me to kind of say, yeah, I think right. it's got it right. I think it's very yeah. different. I think it's doing the right thing in being distinctly different from everything else that's coming forward in right for the time, right for the era. They've had to move the technology on, blah, 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 blah. We can talk about that for another three or four years because mm. of the way that they've been. It's a different time, people. Just move on. You know, when when Enterprise was out, we'd, we'd, not even, we'd barely heard of Twitter or Facebook. Um, in fact, we hadn't, really. And you think about how that, that kind of that media has evolved in, in the last sort of 15, 20 years. But Deep Space Nine was from a different time. And you think about how we found the information out about the arcs. The Eagle, we had to find out once a week. Magazines. We had to destroy- oh. Magazine. Magazines. Paper <laughs> tied up with string. It's like... It's true. You know, I've got two scrapbooks somewhere which are full of just magazine articles, which I've just cut out from when I used to get by TV zone and Starbucks. Yeah, you're right. And you, you used to, you used to, you know, there's no internet to find out about what happened. I've got, you know, cuttings from, you know, Starburst and things like that, talking about episodes that are coming up. I've got a cutting somewhere from TV zone about talking about all good things. And, and it's the same with DS9. You look back and you kind of, the only way you used to find out about the episodes was to read the magazines or to pick up the VHS in the local shop. I don't you know, like down the they particular volumes of the VHS is saying this is what's on the discs these are the stories that we were getting these for the two episodes in this in this um, VHS which you can buy are you going to show us an example yeah. five I'll do enough the one I just pulled out at random and you aren't going to believe which episode I pulled out at random hey oh yeah Dest- yep. <laughs> <laughs> destiny the VHS cover for Destiny. Um, so yeah, you used to, this is this is basically how we used to find out about mm. about what was going on. And you think about it, that's such a different way to now. I mean, you have a box set now. With a, you have a box, a box set back then with like three like shelves, but a box set now is about you know about as thick as a book. But it's it's how the time has changed. But and, and story arcs are now a lot more accepted that you need to have that that development and that art. You look at Walking Dead, you look. Look at Discovery. You look at all the Marvel shows. You look at even the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, DC are attempting it. They attempted it with the monsters. You, know, you think of all the shows and all the things that are, that are on now, and how many of them, even things like The Crown, which is which is superb. But they've all got this story out. Nothing really does stand alone. I mean, yeah. somebody's going to go, yes, they do stand alone. But you think of the shows that are successful now are the ones that do these big, over overarching stories, which take in everything. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I mean, I watch. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I watched a series called The Blacklist. Um, yeah, which is a, yeah, I and mean, that's a good example. That's a big overall arc from season one that's still ongoing. You know, so I think you know, and I think I said a lot of these shows. You said DS Nine kind of start. Am I right in saying DS Nine started that trend of story arcs? Am I right in saying? Yeah. You know what I'm going to say? The other one was, don't you? Babylon Five. Babylon Five, yeah, and and you have to kind of recognise it. it, it, Yeah, Yeah. they were both Uh, both started in nineteen ninety three, so it's twenty five years for both of them this year. mm. Um, uh, but why I would say Babylon Five differs from Trek, and and this is going to probably anger people, (laughs) is that Babylon Five had an absolute had an absolutely defined story arc from episode one to the end of the last one. You look at the episode, the first episode, there is an arc there, and it starts from that episode, from even the pilot before the series started. Disney did did not have that. Mm, I mean, that's the thing, though. Isn't it kind of at a disadvantage to that, though? Because with something like DS9, okay, maybe it wasn't fully thought out, but it, that, that could, they could go in any kind of direction unexpectedly, and they go, well, actually, this would work nicely. 
it gives more room for creativity, surely. It does, it does, but I mean, the Babylon 5, that's where the difference is, again, is that, that Bab 5 was designed as a, a TV novel. Mm. It was designed as that from day one. It was always going to be a five year arc, which kind of finished after four, and he kind of bolted season five on because he didn't got cancelled, but long story. But DS9, as you say, evolved. DS9 is, is a very big evolution, and everything through it evolves. There's a, you know, nothing is very stationary. We don't see the stuff that's coming with Cisco, but with, with, with Babylon 5. The difference there is there is a lot of prophecy in there from the from the beginning, which which you see coming, which you see coming, and it's the stuff in season one that doesn't come to fruition until season three and even season four, but it is predicted in season one and even shown you in season one. Whereas with with, Net, with Deep Space Nine, it it, it does it say every episode is a surprise because you don't really kind of know where anything's going. There is never yeah. any really defined path. Prophecies about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a vibe just, vibe just to kind of doing it both ways, I think, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd recommend it. If you want to see a, a story arc and you want to see for something that's very similar to the Arms, which is at the same time, look at just how that, that, that's done with the, with, with Bad Five, because it, it, it's interesting to see how, how yeah. that was very much defined as a, as a single piece. Whereas DS9 is something that, and I think the, the difference with, between the two, the two shows um, for me is that with DS9 there are episodes where I can just pick up a random episode and I'll enjoy it. With Bad yeah. Five, I find the best way to enjoy it is to, to watch the well, whole thing. Yeah, all and, way you got, and you have to do that. You have to do the same with Battlestar Galactica as well. Exactly the same thing. You can't just do a random episode. You have to watch it. <sighs> Jesus, that's a that's a that's a show and a half that you kind of have to be, be built up for sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, so I, I think I there's one episode that. of that that I didn't like. Simon, Simon got me into that a few years ago, and uh, that show just blew me away. I mean, like who the final five were and things like that, which I won't say for spoilers, but just like, oh my god! And I literally, Simon gave nothing away, and he's brilliant. He's he's, he's brilliant at that side. Always, you know, says something, but just enough, it never gives it away. And literally, the amount of shocks and surprises I got in that was like, oh my god! You know, just twisted. And if you know, this based oh. on was the same sort of thing, just you know. But, so, but then look at but then look at who created Bab- Battlestar Galactica, who who created the reboot. Already more. Yeah. Exactly, and he's responsible for quite a few of the deep space. Not, well, not a lot of the deep space episodes, but he was responsible for kind of key some of the key moments of season three of the mm-hmm. development of DS9. And Battlestar Galactica is what he wanted Voyager and DS9 and Next Gen to become. That's what he wanted from that show, and that's why Battlestar is the way it is because it's the it's the it's, you know, the, the bastard child of Trek, effectively. That's um, another episode <laughs> you know, and and oh, you yeah. think of how that. I mean, you know, God, I mean, look at how many track people on things like the Orville, uh, and are involved with that show. And you think of how that's. I'm really enjoying it, by the way. But that's, that's again, film, another. Yeah, same. I've watched it as well, so it's really good. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm enjoying yeah. that. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's really interesting. I've got a whole kind of stuff planned to do with that and the Black Mirror episode that is on Netflix. If anybody's seen that yet. You see Black Mirror? Uh, Sorry, I, haven't this, this, seen, I haven't seen it yet. Random, t- random, 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 random uh, tangent, but um, yeah, Black Mirror, USS Callister. Uh, um, watch it. Very good. Very good. Anyway, back to the space. Um, yeah, so that it's, it's, I'm just going somewhere. Um, yeah, it's, happy Clive. Uh, uh, Clive is very happy. Clive's getting quite warm in here, actually. I was thinking, <laughs> this is turning into getting quite hot in this room. I need to ventilate myself at some point. I wouldn't mind if I've got a huge flipping fan sat next to me. I might even turn it on. Um, <laughs> Middle of yeah. winter. <laughs> I'm going to get either hypothermia. Oh, I don't know. 
was going to die in it. Anyway, anyway, Deep Space Nine. Um, yeah, so story arcs, people who are in it, Ronald Moore, you look at that and you look at how people have gone on from other things to go and do other shows that were, were involved in that show and how they kind of influenced other arcs and other programmes. As we said, things like you know, even things you think about things like Doctor Who now, Doctor Who isn't even arcs. But if you think about to the nineties, that what what was out in the nineties that had that the early nineties that had arcs like that, and there is just nothing. There is nothing you go back and look at in that period of time that had arcs. You had you know your soaps that would have a continuous arc. You had maybe a couple of shows that would do you know your crime stories, which would have a six part story arc. But that'd be it, and that'd be done. This was something that was yeah. continuous over numerous years, and you look at how things have gone now. You think of all the, you know, I think of all the stuff that I watch now. Westworld, you know, The Crown. I've mentioned about five that I'm watching again. Twenty four. You can you can name so many shows that we all watch now, where you kind of have to submit yourself to watching at least the full season if you're going to understand it. Yes, nine and Babylon five started this whole story. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? For the sake of this podcast. That's absolutely bad five and deep space nine started it um, yeah and and, for, and and but it is it's, it's it, you look back before that there, was, there really wasn't anything that did it um you got buffy i think buffy, buffy the vampire slayer i think if you look back and that was that was mid to late 90s that angel and things like that they were they were the starts of that kind of stuff as well but they were seasonal arts if you think about it they only had like one story per season nothing is overriding as the as the ds9 stuff but if there were other shows that did it, I've gone into obscurity, and all the science fictiony ones are still remembered for it, though. So that's got to mean something absolutely. at least. Got to say oh, something. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. And the way they've they've held up over all that time, it just depends what brand you prefer. Because I say oh, I like Deep Space Nine. I I never got the hang of Babylon Five. Never got the hang of it. Never. I've, I've not it, watched it no. yet, so I've not watched it yet, so I can't honestly comment. I will check it out at some point. I need to. I think so. you'd like it. I just yeah. no. Not your cup of tea. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but yeah, it's of stuff I need to try again. Things I don't think I've given a chance. <laughs> which is, I think, I'm, I'm, on the list is Babylon Five, and and I'm going to probably get a moan net from here, but never mind. It's true. Stargate. I never called anyway. Stargate when I was younger. Anyway. Mm. No, I'd rather, I think, to be honest with you, Stargate, I got about six episodes into it and I just got very bored. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Again, not think, really. I think, watched I think it, so you I know what? Love, love the film. Love the film. Saw the film in the cinema. That's that's kind of, you know, back in the old, back in the old days. Um, saw the film in the cinema in the mid 90s. Uh, kind of Bollywood TV series. No. Supernatural. There's another one I'm not even going to bother going to. A 15 year season, 15 years of a show. Not a chance, mate. Not a chance. I've got a life. I've got a life. I says the man who's just watched 700 bloody episodes of Star Trek <laughs> over five years. I've got a life. Yeah. I've got a life and I'm not submitting to watching that bloody thing. No, not a chance. Not a chance. Where's the, where's the bad five box set? Um, yeah. Uh, but again, yeah. yeah. We wandered completely off topic. That's yeah. right. We do that. Fine. <laughs> Happens all the time, Clive. Don't worry. Ah, um, dear. Yeah, so I, know, I remember from last time. It's finally <laughs> tangents that actually make sense and stop it for once. So hey, I'm 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 good with it. Yeah. No, it's not a completely random one. <laughs> so you're fine. No, no, it's not. It's not. But yeah, it, it, you know, DS9, DS9 for me. Um, it, it, it has so much going for it. There's just yeah. you know, there's the, you know, and you think you think of all, 
all the stuff that that's, you, know, you think of all the, the lovely stuff that Eagle Moss have produced for us for, to, to to bask over from Deep Space Nine, all the ships, all the all the spin-off novels we've had from Simon and Schuster, things that you know story arcs that are still continuing in the, in the non-canon novels. That, that some of them are pretty good, some of them are rubbish. Um, but you think of all the stuff that's, that's come out of it, and you know that, that Deep Space Nine has produced just from those arcs that that has evolved beyond it, and that the stuff that that just exists. Because of that, of that, that seven years of that show, um, and it's just it's magic, and it's yeah. a shame because it doesn't, it still doesn't get, I, you know, it doesn't get the recognition that it should do. And with the documentary that's coming out, it will do, but it still gets a bit neglected because of Voyager and Next Gen, particularly. But there is so much, so much going. I feel like I'm, I'm in a bit of a, a bit of a. <laughs> he's getting on some sort of pedestal, but you know, I'm. I, I love the character Cisco. Cisco is for me is, is my favourite captain. Is my is my all time favourite Star Trek, Star Trek character. Second only to Martok, um, who who I adore. I think Martok's a brilliant, multifaceted character, so deep. But Cisco for me just has again. It's, it's the it's that dude cap style arc. He has such a, a a beginning. He you know the old goatee happens. He does a Riker, gets a beard, shaves his head, and he just goes man and it's just brilliant and to watch that and you think of the character and you talk about characters and secondary characters within the arcs Eddington is just brilliant oh Eddington um, and, and I, Garak as well can't forget Garak my god yeah, I mean I oh. mean you know for, for me for the uniform is, is one of the great next great under underrated DS9 episodes because it's it's that Mackie arc for one thing but it's also it's the Cisco arc as well that brings into there because it's the first time we kind of really well actually this, this, for the for the cause and then for the uniform, the two episodes that I think for me crack Cisco. Mm. One because Cassidy turns out to be a traitor. Sorry if you've not watched it, but I've just blown that oh, one. Okay. Um, oh, and then secondly, and then secondly, the Eddington side, which brings out again Cisco's darkness that then evolves mm. into in the Pale Moonlight. That three episodes, those three episodes for me are just are just magical to watch for the cause I never really got the first time. And again from the rewatch that I did, I love it. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant episode, and again, and a very brilliant. But I'm a big fan of for the uniform. Um, Cisco's punch bag scene for me. This, this is David Brooks actually taking his own frustrations out on a bag. This is not acting, and it just generally look like he's going for it. Mm. But I, I think it's brilliant. I think that to do something like that, such, such a revolutionary thing of the character as part of that whole art, and obviously to you know, effectively kill him at the end, is is it's just scary. Think that they, they had the balls to do that. Oh, yeah. And to do those kind of stuff with the character, you know, you think about how much people are kicking off about discovering what they've done with Lorca and things like that in there with his, you know, his darkness, his mirror universe person, or whatever. And then you think what they did to Cisco, and it was that was that was, I mean, Christ, I mean, that was that was against Roddenberry's, you know, he'd been spinning in his in his casket in space for yeah. for what they did with Cisco. And it's, mm. it's bad stuff, bad stuff really to it. Yeah, exactly. Really I mean, is. Yeah, I mean, particularly in the Power Moonlight, like, where he well, he's an accessory to murder. There's no getting around it, as you say. I mean, God, <laughs> yeah, exactly. would any of the other captains have done that? I mean, maybe Norka would have done, but would any of the oh, other ones? It's when he when he poisons the poisons the planet in um, for the uniform. Mm. Uh, to, he basically goes, uh, I'm going to poison it. <laughs> I'm just gonna do yeah, it. that's true. Archer and, as and, well. And yeah. Um, are you referring to? Um, yeah. Oh, when he when he goes on that ship and steals the warp coil. Casey Briggs. Yes. So, yeah. So, although I still maintain it doesn't have much of an impact, you think through a bit. All that um, space has vanished by then, so all they've got to do is travel home and 
in normal space, so it's not as bad as if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um yeah. So is there any more more about story arcs that we want to talk about? Yeah. Any other ones or? God. Anything else I mean, you I guys want to spoil? I could no, I could no, drag I this out for two or three days. Yeah, oh, by the yeah. way, by the way, Defiant's got a cloak on it, and um, uh, Garon's not a changeling. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, I've just there's so many people going to hate me for that. Um, I'm just thinking, well, who have I insulted tonight? I've insulted Stargate fans. I've insulted uh, fans of the Last Jedi, and I've insulted anybody who's not watched Deep Space Nine. Oh, um, I'm with you on the Last Jedi. <laughs> I didn't hate the film. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it like a lot of people did. So that's the one. So yeah. for all the people I've offended, um, I will never come back on this because I'm really sorry. Uh, but but you know what? You, you're going to get an honest opinion from well, me. But uh, they're, yeah, they're listening to a podcast, so they want people's opinions. So if they don't want to listen to other people's opinions, why are they listening to a podcast about people's opinions? Like I was. And it's Star Trek, so I'm sure everybody who's listening to will be Star Trek related <laughs> and therefore completely agree with me 100%. Honest. <laughs> it's our opinion, you can disagree if you want, yeah. and it's fine. Absolutely yeah. fine. That should count to everything we've said in the whole episode. So we should That's, be good now. We should be alright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, so, no yeah. porgs were harmed during the making of this episode. <laughs> they, were, they were harmed afterwards. Porgs <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, are good. Marketing exercise. Anyway, moving on. Who <laughs> <laughs> the whole of Star Wars? There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing new there. I mean, I mean, who would put a small furry creature into a film or program as a marketing icon? I mean, I mean, who would who would come up with something like that? I mean small sort of furry creature that you have lots of that you could use them fluffy yeah i mean i've random thought that i mean that would never happen in track would it well in return of the jedi they wouldn't go to planet of ewok um in wookie planet but they didn't have the budget for putting people in wookie outfits so they came up with the ewoks yeah (laughs) (laughs) she's just we should make sure this one. Yep, yeah, right, that will do that. Okay, sure, yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah. like you say, tribbles. I own yeah. about four of them. So yes, tribbles. 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 You can't have enough. Much better than porgs. There you go. Not as good as porgs. Stick that in the last Jedi and smoke it. Not as good as porgs. No, wasn't. Not as good as porgs, though. You reckon? Yeah. I was more of a Livingston fan myself, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, on my on my STO dog. online character, Simon's giving me a dog. Haven't you, Simon? Bloody dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for. <laughs> I could make, I could really make a comment and really offend a lot of people, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I just need to step away from that remark very, very quickly because that could get me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> but if everybody, yeah, if there are people out there who generally know my sense of humour, then yeah, I may have just, I've just thought. Something that I really don't want to repeat. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, but yeah, I need to finish this. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is this, this is ten days of work straight that's doing this to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's killing me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Triples. Anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I think we could go. On, I mean, we ought to do another one really at some point of, of, and pick a kind of element of DS9. But I, I would love to do that. I'd love to do that. 
Um, well, this or... did appear in Deep Space Nine, at least. So there is a link to the topic, at least. Just saying. Right. That tangent yeah. works for me as well, so I don't care. Yeah. Of, of yeah. which yeah. I own one of them. Yeah. 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 It's like fun that I, you may not know. I own a Trials and Tribulations Tribble. That's very like my the daily facts no, from Simon. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, I, I think we've covered it. I think. So, well, yeah, well, I, think I say we have. Good. I mean, you two have, and I've been here. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm. Yeah, you've been around, and it's been a pleasure for you to be around with us. Um, <laughs> Thank you for being guests on our show, Simon. I told you to shut me up. I told you. You did. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. You, should have, you should have done the same for me. I so. did love just, you guys just to say, what are you passionate about? I don't care. So. Uh, yeah, we're going to wind us up. But um, yeah, I just sat here and I was thinking. Hello. I think his machine's crashed. Oh. Or something. Good old Skype. Yep, don't you love it? Mid sentence as well. Also, I wonder what he's gonna what he's gonna say. Yeah. Accessing library computer data. Well, as you can hear by that accessing sound, we we completely lost Clive. Um. And he was having computer problems, just like we've been having when we were trying to record this. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting a sense of deja through here, definitely. Um, but Clive actually, um, you know, we tried to get him back, but unfortunately he wasn't able to make it. So he just gave us permission just to sort of carry on the last little bit without him. So, um, yeah. So for a first episode, I think of 2018, it's certainly been an interesting one, you know, in terms of exactly what we were talking about and in terms of actually trying to get this recorded as well. So you can't say it's been boring. <laughs> um, anyway, we just wanted to uh, thank Clive for actually coming on. Um, it's really lovely to have him back on again after, you know, quite some time. And the fact is he wanted, us, he wanted to do this episode with us like, was it like two years ago or something? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so um, you can actually um, please feel free to uh, follow and check Clive out. Um, you can find him on his Facebook page um, and follow him on Twitter at, uh, at the Warp Core. That's some kind of track at the Warp Core. And you can also uh, check out his website, which is www.trekcliver79.blogspot.co.uk. So, yeah, so please do feel free to check it out. Kyle's got some uh, great content for Star Trek. Um, and, yeah, we'll definitely have to have him back on again soon. So, so yeah, um, I think that ends uh, another episode of the Engaged Podcast, our first of the year. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, our next episode will be our pre-recorded one of Federation Headlines, won't it, Si? So, um, so until then, guys, um, take care, and we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.